0: Kapo's an alien, man, a genius alien. Kappas unbelievable, man, one of the best lyricists ever, worldwide. Yo, T-Bone, did you produce
1: this? Sounds good, right? But I'll tell you where I'm gonna start, and I, it's funny, because it came up with Bastion, it keeps coming up again and again. You heard the hum.
0: Yeah, and this is, this is no word of a lie, I heard it yesterday as well. It was about three in the morning, so that's why I think it may be psychological because I knew that today I was going to be speaking to you and I knew that we may bring up this subject matter. So that's why I think maybe the hum that I'm hearing may be something that I'm produ- I'm self-producing in the middle of the night. I've embraced the hum, really, because it's part, I guess it's part of this house. It's part of... Or it's part of me. And like we were saying about reflection and being able to accept things. You know, if I'm too hard on myself, I will end up like trying to take myself apart, trying to find where the home comes from. It's not gonna happen. Is there any anger in you? Any anger in you of course world? there is. Yeah of course there Let's is. Talk about that. Tell me what the anger is what my production process in a nutshell is very very it's always very similar. It's always very formulaic. So it's vinyl, it's chosen at random listen to the record, try and be respectful of the artist and listen through, make sure that I'm being as comprehensive or detailed as possible. And then if I find something, then once I loop it up, it's just taking that. It's usually like a melancholic chord or some type of key change or something repetitive that then I can start to write to or then I can hear, you know, the the basis of the track. Where does it start this journey for you to become an artist? I was... Enjoying the hip hop enjoying elements of hip hop culture like like the more visual side of hip hop culture. So that was graffiti art and watching uh, breakdance VHS videos. That's how I entered the culture from from those aspects. Practicing as much as possible all the, the four or the five elements and just trying to be as immersed as possible. I, I I believe it's because my dad had literary, you know, he had. There's some type of literary gene in my my father's side of of my life.
1: Is, is your father part? Is your dad
0: part of your life? He's not part of my life. No, he passed away at four, so I didn't really grow up with father figures. Which, you know, down the line, that leads to a fascination in music around the the paternal bond. You know, thinking about that father son relationship that that's always like a big thing for me. It's always like a big uh, starting point or trigger point for me to write to. I just need to know you're safe, living clean, steady, flying straight with no mistakes. I want you to know you're great, no one else can take that power from you, no one takes your place. I know that sometimes it's difficult, because I understand there's times that I'm arriving late. But I just hope you take these letters on board and let the essence of this message take its place. Struggled then to find the words. I know there's been moments when we've struggled to communicate. But I trust that underneath it all, deep within the core, there is a code that we refuse to break. This is not an autobiography, instructing you on all the moves that you should make. This is me confirming that I'd love and trust in you. As a father and man, I relate. I I always say that, once you've embraced your accent, then I I've I think I've found it easier to start using other rappers' flows and patterns. Because what happens is, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in repetition and adaptation. So, you know, you study something, you imitate it, you almost become it, which is a problematic, you know, And but then you start to master that thing, the ideas, and you personalise it, and then you recreate it in your own image. And that's what I do with rap flow. So, you know, 10, 12 years ago, like Rick Ross, lots of pauses, lots of breaths in that delivery. I know he's not from New York, but that flow was, you know, that was his. And being able to embrace something like that, learn it and study it and become obsessed with it, but then apply your own accent to it. You can start putting your own end lines to it. You know, you use your own accent to codify somebody else's flow and you make it your own. You show respect, but you make it your own. And I think that's what always what I've done with my accent is I've tried to manipulate different artists flows bring my own content in bring my own accent on top of it and make it a a level of my own if that makes sense i don't know whether that makes sense for me the sound of drums it, it harks back to that idea of, you know, uh, that formulaic process that I've always embraced, which is using other, using other artists and bands from the past and their sound and just becoming involved with them. Having that intimate relationship with dead artists, you know, ghosts from the past. And I always imagine that when I'm putting old records on, I always, you know, there's a certain point where Those artists are going to be old or they're going to be passed away by now. So then I start to think about conjuring up this image of guitarists playing licks or, you know, vocalists singing uh, solos or, you know, as we're talking about drummers playing drum solos in the studio. And how must it have been? You know, what was the atmosphere like? Was it a smoky atmosphere? Is it a live performance? You know, elements of that and try and visualize what they're doing. The sound of drums is is huge for me because it is synonymous with a journey or a hunt, this idea of the hunt for drum breaks. Like the moment in a record when the groove of the vinyl is darker. You look at vinyl in a a light and you'll see the different discs, the different circles. And there'll be times when you see a dark groove, like it's probably a couple of millimetres wide going around the record. And that's when you start to get that... That anticipation, you get that feeling where your blood is up and you think that may be, you know, the way this vinyl is sounding, the way that this band has played, there may be a a possibility that the drummer may be given time to play on their own. And that's when you start anticipating this point. Then you get to that point where they they may be building up to a crescendo where the whole band's playing, the singer's screaming their lungs out, and then all of a sudden, it'll be like, and then it goes into a... You know, to just the drums on their own, and that's that's the moment. Drum breaks, due to the art of sampling, they have become eternal. They become like hypnotic loops. If you, if you're lucky enough, like I, there's been a couple of times in my career, I believe that I have found. You know, if if I if if we were what is it, paleontologist? If we were finding fossils, I'd be able to put my name. Like there was a Capo Eric, was it? <laughs> <a, laughs> there's what's a Capo the, What's the break?
2: what is
0: it? It was it. The one that I mentioned to you was um, it was a seven-inch vinyl that we got from a car boot sale uh, out of like one of the old plastic seventies crates of vinyls, and it was by an artist called Vince Cadillac. And he'd either made an original song called Voodoo Woman, or he was doing a cover of Voodoo Woman. The story goes that I was in Ruddington at the time. When when we created an album called Spaz the World, I was based in Ruddington with my girlfriend at the time. And just being in this one room that we'd stuck a load of egg carton crates around, had a Bon Tempe keyboard in the corner and had the MPC and our vinyl player. i am just spent a lot of time there. There's late one... Like a gloomy night, as I imagine it. And me and Paul Les from the P Brothers were sat there just going through vinyl as we did. I made the claim. I said, this one's going to have a break on, just to say, just to say something. And put it on, listen to the record, and lo and behold, you know, it just fell in. And it's a really sick break as well. And I just, I will always remember, you know, Paul might tell you in a different way, but I always remember Paul's face. You know, he was gritting his teeth because he was like, "You like he was angry <laughs> that like I claimed it, I got it."
1: When I mentioned drums, I hoped that the P Brothers were going to come up because they are my guys. But I, there's something in town. I don't know what they do, but there's something about the way they handle drums.
0: But they used to step into uh, secondhand vinyl stores. There was a guy who, who used to call them the Drum Drums. Like he'd say, "Ah, the Drum Drums." That's what that was their name. They are meticulous with the process, purists, you know, to the core. And that's where I got my passion for finding drum breaks. There's lots of ways into producing music, but for them and for me for a long time, it was all about finding just raw drums and being able to manipulate that. And they would use the same equipment as me, the MPC-2000XL. But what they did is they utilized the record gain. They would push the gain to the limit of distortion. There's like a gap between when it's distorted and when it's just the loudest you're gonna get it. And that's what they would do, spend time getting it as loud as possible. After the fact, after the track has been mixed and mastered, they'd push with record plants, pressing plants, when the vinyl wasn't loud enough. You know, they'd play it against some of their favorite records from New York. If the vinyl test pressing wasn't as loud as those records, then they'd take it back, you know, and they'd want it louder. The pressing plan would say we can't get it any louder because it would distort, and they'd say we'll do it. You know, do it. Find a way. the The PhD thesis is now complete, but it looked into it was it looked into artists like Naz, Kendrick Lamar, Earl Sweatshirt, and some more emerging underground artists as well, and how they utilise literary devices that you often find in literature. How did Nas and Kendrick Lamar use kind of intertextual reference or allusion to authors like Alice Walker to bring more power and resonance to their work? The creative component of the PhD was that I was able to spend three or four years kind of looking inwards, being introverted and applying Elements of literature and all of my reading and my studies to my own music. And I was able to create a trilogy of LPs. You know, it definitely contains my most introverted and most personal works. Elements of vulnerability that I hope that is rare in in the rap field. And I hope that it also uses literature and reference and intertextuality and allusion to push forward barriers within rapper as uh, elements of poetry and just hope that it opens doors to to that idea and and that discussion of trying to bridge the gap between rap poetry and literature why am i so intrigued by hemingway's theory of omission why why am i so intrigued by uh, a sentence in alice walker's text why do i want to put that then why do i want to put a line from Edgar Allan Poe's poetry into my rap. Why do I think that that gives it more power? The PhD, the, the LPs, they are just layered, just densely packed with audiobook samples, film samples. Any type of literary sample you can think of, I've, I've tried to employ. So, I mean, one re- recurring theme is isolation. And the way that I try to articulate that artistically is I employ Robert Frost's poem, Acquainted with the Night. I have been one acquainted with the
1: night. I have walked out in rain and back in rain. I have outwalked the furthest city light. I have looked down the saddest city lane. I have passed by the watchman on his beat and dropped my eyes
0: unwilling to explain. The way that it brings up That notion of isolation, that sentiment, is timeless. I have stood still
1: and stopped the sound of feet. When far away, an interrupted cry came over houses from another street. Better not to call me back or say goodbye. And further still, at an unearthly height, old luminary clock against the sky, Proclaimed the time was neither wrong nor right. I have been one acquainted with the night
0: throughout all the different all three Lps of the trilogy, we recall that idea of intimacy and isolation. but from different angles, different aspects. so some of it will be have more of a light-hearted sentiment, whereas some of it's you know dark, you know that sense of isolation is dark.
1: is welcome see the burned and the removed cancelled a culture that continues sins and gazes a world of conflict still no resolution you may remove your masks now it's time to redress and readdress exhibition begins five thirty p.m blunt you mentioned your um fascination with breath now breath ah. is, is important right for, for an artist and you, you will listen back to your own voice you'll be yeah. conscious of where and how yeah you now when i'm making a podcast right and if i've got a lot of goes at doing like if i've got chance to like i can listen to this 10 times and keep re-editing it right i will take almost every single breath out of the voiceover get rid of everything like everything is almost sort of like click that's my sort of style. Right, but you, you don't do that in a hip hop record. So, the breath is part of it. Now, tell, talk to me about the breath.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I would say you're right, but I would also I'd, I'd say you're you're exactly right. Um, it, from from your from your angle, I, I guess it is. It's it's meticulously going through and looking to to eradicate those those breaths, almost like they're mistakes. But for me, I have an interest. You know, it's a burgeoning interest, but I have an interest in. You know that sharp intake of breath between a, a, a rapper's verse. So, so you've got artists, an artist like Kendri- um, an artist like Kanye West, who, for me, I think it's quite, it's quite, it's it's quite prominent that the intake of breath in some of Kanye West's takes oh, is quite prominent. It's quite loud. For me, being a perfectionist, maybe I'd be trying to think, okay, calm your intakes, calm those intakes. And I know that there are techniques in, in studio production where you use elements of compression to eradicate the, the those the, the intakes of breath or take them away, like like you would do. But for yeah, for me, I'm I'm a proponent of the intake. And I, I if I was gonna do, if I was gonna look, which I'm not going to look into, do another PhD study. But that's what I would do it on. I'd look into like I would drill down into the the science of breath intakes during verses. So I'd take the words away and just have these like...
2: Thanks to Capo for talking to me for this episode. His new album, Canon, well, it's a triple album. It's out now. I thoroughly recommend it. Produced by Kong the Artisan. You've heard a lot of his beats throughout this episode. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review if you can. It really, really helps people to discover this pretty niche podcast. But I think we can get more ears on it. And another way to say thanks is to buy some merch. If you go to tbone.productions, we've got some great Sounds Good Right merch. And it's a great way to support what we do because we put this together with a lot of love. This podcast was recorded, mixed, sound designed, produced by myself, Tom Wally. And I'll see you next time. Yo, T-Bone, did you produce this? Sounds good, right?